you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. <laughs> I'm Chris Voss here from the Chris Voss Show. Hey, we're coming here with a podcast, and who knew we were going to make another one? Thanks for tuning in, guys. To see the YouTube version, let's go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button. Also, go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss. You can see my new book there. There's a Goodreads giveaway you can get involved with. It's free. And uh, you can also go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and all that good stuff. So we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership. Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out on October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life, and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO Entrepreneur Toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate, and build a multitude of companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33, 35 years now. We talk about leadership leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. So you can pre-order the book right now wherever fine books are sold, but the best thing to do on getting a pre-order deal is to go to beaconsofleadership.com. That's beaconsofleadership.com. On there, you can find several packages you can take advantage of in ordering the book. And for the same price of what you can get it from someplace else like Amazon, you can get all sorts of extra goodies that we've taken and given away. Uh, Different collectors, limited edition, custom-made, numbered book plates that are going to be autographed by me. There's all sorts of other goodies that you can get when you buy the book from beaconsofleadership.com. So be sure to go there, check it out, or order the book wherever fine books are sold. So we've got a most interesting guest from Hollywood on the show with us. He has been involved with, geez, so many different projects. He's been, let's see, producer, writer, actor that he's done in his movies. He's 36 years old, and he's become recognized as one of the most innovative creators in Hollywood. Adi Shankar is with us today, and he's a global fanboy auteur, according to his PR agency. He was the executive producer of the smash hit Netflix original series, Castlevania, the writer, director, creator of upcoming Netflix original superhero series, The Guardians of Justice, and creator of upcoming Netflix series, Captain Laserhawk. In partnership with the video game industry leader Ubisoft. In addition, he is creating adaptions of iconic video games, Devil May Cry and PUBG, if you're familiar with that. Welcome to the show. How are you, Addy? Uh, I am I'm good. Awesome I'm good. sauce. Okay, thanks for coming. A, uh, that was quite a bio. <laughs> that was quite a bio. There's much more. It's extraordinary all the different things you did, but oh, I figured wow. we'd get into meeting you. My understanding too is you're a KISS fan, is that correct? And you got that from the, the makeup I, I rock? Okay, uh, yeah, there's somebody who mentioned it. I don't know if it was a wiki or one of the videos that I watched an interview of you on. So is that a good, I, is that a no? I'm a, I'm a fan of the KISS aesthetic. Oh, the I'm, KISS aesthetic. I, the KISS aesthetic, yeah, yeah. It okay. wasn't like I religiously listened to you, their music, not that I have you know anything against the music. Just a different... Yeah. 
I want to say different generation, but it's not like I'm consuming music of my generation anyways. I tend uh-huh. to listen to like older 80s, fake 80s, 90s kind of music. Okay, but, sounds good. All right, uh, guys, tell Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, just forget it, just hang up on them. So yeah. anyway, Adi, will you uh, give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs, where to look you up, dot coms, et cetera, et cetera. Find me on Instagram. I, I think that's probably the, the way to go about it. It's at Bootleg Universe. So bootleg, the way one would spell bootleg, mm-hmm. B-O-O-T-L-E-G, and then universe, the way one would spell universe. I'm not going to spell universe out loud because there's a good chance I will spell that incorrectly out loud. Because spelling bees are not my, my strong suit. Okay. Uh, bootleg You're going to have to cancel the spelling universe. bee part of the podcast too. Yeah, just kill that part. Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Like the Jeopardy spelling bee. I'd be good at Jeopardy. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune. I'm not very good at that. Wheel of Fortune. Okay. We'll kill those portions of the show. We, we Those yeah. are at the end. So you also have a big YouTube channel as well, right? Under Bootleg Universe. Wouldn't you say it's like a big YouTube channel? It's almost like a more of a portfolio. So we've released a few short films. I believe it's seven um, short films uh, over the course of starting in you know 2012 was the first one the short films which are like satirical takes on brands people are familiar with james bond and spider-man and the punisher and the mighty morphin power rangers and pokemon those have done well in terms of getting people to watch them and care and i think that subscriber base on youtube it doesn't feel like a youtube channel to the extent like where i'm like vlogging every day and letting you know what i'm eating for breakfast or what whether i like whether i like kiss or not and how many how much of kenny g's catalog i celebrate yeah it's like a youtube there's a youtube presence feels more like a portfolio. there you go there's a lot of great material on it there's a lot of interesting stuff so for those people in the audience that may not know who you are, maybe they've consumed some of your media, but they've never gotten a chance to get an in-depth thing of you. How would you describe yourself? Because you're like a, you seem like a jack of all trades, like a Renaissance man. You seem to be into everything. What what would you describe yourself or describe to people who might go, who is this gentleman? I struggled with that, that question for such a long time because even just the way you asked, right? Who are you? And then mm-hmm. even if you start like, reducing who you are into things you've made or things that you've been a part of that, that, that got recognition. I'm definitely more than a career. That's one of the things I've been processing over the last several years. I had success like at a super young age, like in my early twenties. And all of a sudden, as I was growing up, I just defined my entire reality and my sense of self by these things that were successful in the ecosystem and that 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 became my dad this is a long preamble of saying adi shankar is a more complex well-rounded person than a series of projects that said i i have come to define myself as an artist okay i'm just i'm an artist it's not necessarily even a jack of all trades because it's not really i'm not really a tradesman i think part of being an an artist is or or really walking the path of an artist is gaining an understanding of the various tools that you have access to part of the education is a craftsmanship education and the more tools that you gain a craftsman-like education for and with the more you can cross-pollinate them and create something new. That's a great answer. 
That, that's you segue just beautifully into that whole thing. So, wh- give us an idea of how you started in life and how you got to where you are. Give us—I I believe you grew up in India. Is that correct? Partially, yeah. I was born in India and mm-hmm. uh, lived there for five years. But again, it was India is a big country. It's so diverse. So even within the construct of India, before I was five, we lived in Calcutta, where I was born, which is in the middle of India. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived in Madras, which is the south of India, completely different culture, a different language, a different language too. When you talk about the south of America, yeah, there's a different accent and there may be customs, but everyone's still speaking English. When you talk to the, when you go to the south of India, like that's a different language, it's Tamil. And then we moved to the, the north of India, Bombay, Mumbai, that's like the, the big city. Then we moved to Hong Kong. There was more moving, moving. There was a stint in Singapore <laughs> and, and then just gets more and more complex and convoluted. I moved to America when I was 16 by myself. So like full time, I've been living in America since I was 16. And that was like a few days before 9-11. That was like oh, 2001. Wow. Yeah. Did you move to New York when you did? Were you in New York? Uh, Rhode, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Oh, wow. So very close. Wow. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting time. We just reflected on that. So do you think a lot of yeah. going through a lot of the cultural changes and exposures that you did shaped your artistry? Absolutely. It definitely gave me a, yeah, absolutely. Gave me that outsider's perspective. But I, this is maybe just my experience. The world, the more I traveled as a kid, and when you're a kid, Things are a little different because things aren't like stable and static. You don't really know what else is going on in the world. I didn't know that we weren't living in a virtual reality simulation. Like when I was a little kid, like I had no idea that hey, when I leave the room, does everyone stop moving? Or like you don't, you ask, or at least I asked those questions and I wondered those things constantly. I still wonder those things. But for sure, the moving influenced my point of view. And I feel like the point of view is ultimately what's transmuted and and conveyed and imprinted into the art. As an example, as just one example of this, I felt like the world was like a sci-fi dystopia. Like every time I would watch a a sci-fi movie, even like an old one, like where there was like an old one, like uh, Logan's Run or something like Katika, which was, you know, uh, that I, I was like, this is pretty much the world we live in. And that more, maybe I, I got a deeper and deeper understanding about the more I moved because you see how societies are structured and you see how like different societies have different value systems and those value systems promote different types of people. They subjugate other types of people and different societies have different incentive structures and those incentive structures manifest different modalities. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. And Yeah. Would you say that moving around gave you a 3D, a top-down look at things, at these different things as you'd move around to different cultures and influences? And that's what gave you that ability to look from at them from yeah. some kind of outside the box? Absolutely. 100, 150,000%. And also when you're doing that as a kid, right? It's not like for my parents, it was a different experience because they mm-hmm. were from India. They existed from India. And then there were Indian people moving. For me, I was like, I wasn't like a formed being yet. I wasn't a formed being with a sense of identity. So my identity isn't, oh, I'm an Indian dude from India now moving to Hong Kong. I'm like, I'm, my identity is like 
someone who has moved to this place that even as I was moving there was in a state of transition because it was a British colony being handed over to China and like that. So it wasn't a linear path in terms of like self definition Interesting. So when you come to America at 16, what, what right. pathway leads you to Hollywood? I really liked professional wrestling. <laughs> That's why I, one of the reasons I wanted to move to America, really, there was a movie called The Wizard. I highly doubt you've heard of this movie. It's called The Wizard. If you're a millennial, it's like a classic, but it uh, stars Fred Savage. So I saw The Wizard and I was like, I want to go wherever that movie's set. And that happened to be America. And, and professional wrestling. I was like, this is awesome. I want to go to a place where this exists and people like this walk around. <laughs> Did you want to be a wrestler? Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. So yeah. what dissuaded you from finally you know, achieving your dream? Look, I think our dreams are like in, in flux, right? It wasn't like the only thing that I wanted to do because I was, I graduated college. I went to a school in the suburbs of Chicago called Northwestern, which has a fantastic theater program graduated like a quarter early, two quarters early, yeah. if I recall. And I was like, I'm going to go learn, learn something. I'm going to go learn a craft. Actually, it was actually specifically learning a craft. I didn't define it in those terms. My people around me thought I'd gone a little crazy. And I, I narrowed it down to three things. So again, I'm like 22 at the time. Mm -hmm. The first was there was a sandwich shop, like sandwiches called Pita Pete's. And I was obsessed with these sandwiches. I went there every day and I got to know the owner, this guy named Pete of the, the like the Pete of Pete, the Pete and the Pete of Pete. Pete. There you go. And I was like, I want to work in the sandwich shop to figure out how you make these things so awesome. That was one option. The second option was like enroll in some wrestling school. Mm -hmm. And the third was enroll in improv school. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going with the improv school because there you go. it was the most linear and I knew how to get there. And the sandwich dude, Pete, sat me down. He's like, dude, you're a smart kid. I'll explain to you in half an hour how to do this. You don't need to work it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I took Pete's you know, secret recipe with me and, and uh, joking. I, I enrolled in improv school and I, I was hooked on improv for, mm -hmm. yeah, for what was the aspect you liked about it? Entertaining other people? The What was it that uh, really hooked you on improv and acting? You know how I speak? I, I'm guessing I'm, you're probably going, hey, this guy's kind of eloquent. You're asking me questions and I'm answering them. And I'm not mm -hmm. giving you like basic answers. I'm going into it, right? You're very like, interesting. My entire I, I couldn't do that when I was 20, when I was a teenager. I didn't know how to speak to people. Part of it came from just jumping around between these different cults. And the different cultures have different codes of conduct. They have different degrees of formality. So uh, in a lot of social interactions, I felt frozen. And I was always in my head about it. And I didn't know how to not be in my head because it's a survival instinct. Like you're in a new yeah. culture. In order to assimilate, you have to adopt a new state of being. It's almost like a different version of yourself hmm. to assimilate. Because my whole the name of the game for me was assimilation. I'm a kid. I want to have friends at school. It made it challenging for me to have conversations with people because in a way I was playing a character all the time. 
And I didn't know how to not play the character. And in fact, I think that's what drew me to professional wrestling because I saw that these people were playing these larger than life characters and I can do that. But being myself was very challenging because I didn't know what that meant. Improv helped me tremendously like with that because really it gets you completely out of your head and you are just, you're being authentic. You're finding your authentic voice through just organically responding and not like read lines from a script. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. It's it's interesting how people are shaped and how they go through stuff. That's what I yeah, love about people sure. is, is what makes them what gets them there. So you eventually get to Hollywood. It looks like your IMDb starts around 2010. You start working in projects. How does, how does that entry point happen? It's random, honestly, randomly, right? There's no, I think it's random for everybody. So it's not, there's no great story in my opinion. It just one thing led to another, which led to another, which led to another. And it didn't feel like success at the time, a lot of the time. And then you look back and you're like, wow, it was like involved with a lot of like crazy and awesome stuff. And then the world started changing and I saw the writing on the wall and I thought everyone else did. And I pivoted into more of a digital existence, so to speak. And we did that for a bit and then hooked up with Netflix and that led to a different pivot. Mm-hmm. And that's the career so far. And so let's talk about some of that. There's a lot of projects you're working on right now. Let's see. You've got Guardians of the Universe, which is your latest project. Guardians, okay. Of they justice, gave me, yeah. They gave me Guardians of Universe. This is from Laurie. So go <laughs> that my apologies it could be it, guardians of the universe and but it, that's a better title in a way i think she's just retitling your stuff your pr agency has decided that they're just going to retitle stuff so maybe she as they should is there is there a guardians of the know. universe movie maybe she's mixed that up with <laughs> i'm just reading here i'm sorry well there's there's All guardians right. of the galaxy yeah so you know galaxy is bigger than universe it is right yeah i don't know She's got Guardians of of the Universe is his latest project. You've also got, I watched part of your Can series uh, official selection that was dealing with Netflix. Do you want to touch on a few of these different projects that you're working on? Mm, Not really. There's a few different things you also did. Castlevania and Judge Dredd, uh, Super Fiend. Do you think those are some of your most favored work that you like to do? That That you liked in your history of work? Yeah, I feel like all of it. You I know, need I you to hold like, these. I just so... <laughs> Dude, I feel, I feel like all of it, all of it. Look, here, here's the one thing that was a unifying thread for me as I was moving around the world was nerd culture. It was video games, comic books, it was anime, it was manga. It was that stuff and wrestling, sure. Yeah, like I, you throw wrestling into that too because it, it existed. But really, it's like video games, anime, manga, comic books, that kind of stuff. So all the most of the projects that I do, in fact, everything you've listed, it exists within this ecosystem of. And, and again, there's so much competing nomenclature to how to describe it, and I don't feel like any of it does it justice, right? Like it used to be called, oh, it's fanboy stuff or it's nerd stuff or geek stuff or which is which are all like very reductive terminologies to use to define to describe something that now dominates popular culture right dangerous movies are not like 
just for nerds or ye- or whatever the, 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 the term is. That, that, that is like the movie-going experience at this point, just what it is, right? Yeah. So I, I think in the aggregate, so when I talk about any one project, it's a different experience than when I like talk about it all in the aggregate because it was like really, for me, a question of being focused on making stuff for this community that I felt like I'm a part of, that I contributed to, right? They contributed to me. Like I grew up uh, reading comic books about robots and superheroes. And like, okay, great. So now how do we add to the pantheon for that next generation to consume this in a different way? So this project that you just mentioned, uh, Guardians of Justice, which you've renamed, or we've now renamed to renamed to Guardians of the Universe, which is Guardians of the Agency, way, way, way better title. Just talk to Netflix right now. In fact, we should conference them in and say Guardians of the Universe. But Guardians of Justice, which is in competition at Cannes series next month, Pandora, which is insane. Yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy that a superhero anything is in Cannes. So that's yeah. That's it. Films of real life or something, dramas or something. Yeah, yeah, dramas about people crying because they lost something. Yeah, yeah. Actors in lots of makeup. But I watched a lot yeah. of the, the film, and you, it meshes so many different things. It's, there's some real life, yes. there's some – it's like everything in there. It's not – and, and I, think it, I think it's more appealing because you don't just sit there and go, oh, this is that type of film or this is the other type of film. Like you were talking about earlier where it gets crammed into a certain box. And it made it really interesting and, and watchable. Maybe I'm just ADD or something. I don't know. I don't think you're ADD at all. I think you're actually a very hyper-focused <laughs> individual, just even in the way you're leading this conversation. If anything, I'm ADD. So it takes one to know one. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> you, are not, you, my friend, are not ADD. <laughs> there was a time. I've grown uh, out of it. When you hit 53, it all yeah. kind of... You slow down a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you grow out of ADD. It sounds like you just weren't into the, the stuff you were doing before. It was a lot of and psychotherapy and drugs and stuff, yeah. What kind of drugs? <laughs> it was a Zoloft, and uh, I think there's a tranquilizer vault at one time. That was when I was in my right. 20s. Yeah. I've had my well, little I think that I had two parents that were ADHD. And, and yeah, it, it caused some issues. They were good people. <laughs> Did they like neglect you or did they say hurtful things? Uh, I was probably uh, all of the above, but at, or at an early age, I was checking the door like 16 times uh, a night to make sure I had locked it, that sort of thing. And the oh, anxiety damn, effects, but, yeah. so there's like, so you're, you were like walking around. Like, yeah. My brother would wash his hands till they bleed. We were just teenagers, but you know, we, we went through some issues. When I started my first companies, I would go through panic attacks two or three times a day and have to sleep. It was, it was interesting. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Do you meditate now? You see, no. I, I do pretty well now. The arc of a life, you can learn a few things about yourself and go, stop doing that. But there's still a little bit of the madman yeah. back in there. It's just when I do interviews, a, all about you. <laughs> there's a there's a cool device that I was gifted like five years ago. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. And I'm no way affiliated with this device, rather. But it's called a mind spa, like mind how one spells mind, M-I-N-D, and spa, the way one spells spa. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty nuts because what it does, it's a pair of sunglasses hooked up to like an old school CD player looking device. And it's sunglasses and earphones. And what it does is it synchronizes light and sound oh, wow. in a pattern to get you into alpha and then theta and then delta uh, brainwaves. 
Oh, wow. And yeah. And it's so if you have like anxiety or some sort of manifestation of anxiety, which is like a panic attack or some nervous tick, or you can't relax the mind, it all just comes with relaxing the, the nerves and then reprogramming mm-hmm. that way. And it's hard mm-hmm. to reprogram unless you have developed a base mm-hmm. uh, or you found the base. So this kind of helps you get to that homeostasis. I took a look at that on Amazon real quick. It's pretty cool. So yeah. do you find that helps with your ADD? I, for me, it just helps in general because you're just on every every path. I've been on a, let's call it a, a healing journey in air quotes. I've been on a healing journey for the last like six years at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been stages of it. So I wouldn't define myself as someone with, with ADD or some something like that. There were moments though where I needed to reprogram the inputs and the outputs that had been hardwired into me as a result of like repetitive stress. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that comes out through your mind's eye and your artwork? And like when I watched that, the the Netflix cans uh, movie that they sent us, there's a lot of different things going on very fast, very speedy, different scenes, different setups. Do you think that maybe that's a feature of your artistry? Yeah, I think I feel like you spend time with me. There's like a lot going on, and I feel like now it's more contained. It's more under control. Like I'm navigating the the car, the ship, the plane. Versus before, it didn't always feel that way. It felt like the like I was an observer in a tornado of my own doing. But it, yeah, it totally does manifest in the stuff that comes out because there's so much that happens so much. There's like a tone and a rhythm and, uh, and, and, and whatnot that definitely is a byproduct of I'd say the volume of input. I feel like I'm processing at any given moment, as an example, I'm actually going to flip my camera. I realize it's vertical and you're horizontal. There we go. As an example of this, Chris, I couldn't think in live action until mm-hmm. pretty recently. And by that, if I was imagining something or remembering something, it played out more like a, it played out as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like a very vibrant cartoon. So like mm-hmm. memories felt like Starburst was being poured down my eyes. Wow. Yeah, that's not where you're supposed to put the starburst, but that's it's an interesting analogy. Right. Yeah, it's supposed to go in your mouth yeah. or in your ears. I hear. I don't know. It depends. There's or, like an only fan of it. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this has been really amazing and interesting to get insight to you. What do you feel like as an artist? You're always chasing I, I, the the project. Maybe I, I'm assuming that you as an artist, you chase the most fulfilling project or maybe what your next project is or that, that big thing. Do you pursue any of that? Is there something no. that you feel unfulfilled that you're searching to a body of something that you want to go? This is, this would be my shining thing that would be the pinnacle. I feel like I ultimately, I am the project. These things are just manifestations of some form of consciousness. At the end of the day, like you are the project, you are your project, your own growth the experiences you amass from any project or venture poem, that's gotta be the reward. I feel like accolades and stuff like that, those are all illusionary at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. 
as gratifying as they can be, but chasing those, chasing the big win is not really, you don't know what a win is. And, and as an example of this, right, you know who the biggest celebrities were in Victoria and England? Who? Bare knuckle boxers. Oh, wow. Cause it was like the biggest thing ever. Like they were like the, the David Beckham and the Tom Brady and the, the, it was bare knuckle boxers. And then all of a sudden bare knuckle boxing went out of fashion. It was no longer a thing. And like today, no one remembers these great bare knuckle boxers because it's not in our, as a society, right? So it's not like everything that's successful, that society deems successful in the moment becomes remembered that way generations down the road. It, it, in fact, there's literally, there is no correlation. There is no correlation. Like you could be the biggest musician uh, uh, of the 90s and your entire catalog is gone or you could be someone like john carpenter who's a amazing filmmaker from the, the 70s and 80s also 90s he still works today he made such classic movies as uh big trouble in little china escape from new york escape from la the thing and in his in his in his time he was he wasn't like celebrated but you look at at least within the film ecosystem within the film community how he's viewed retroactively, he's on a Scorsese Steven level, which again was not his experience at the time. So you don't know. You don't know. And so much of this is out of your control. Not even so all of it's out of your control. Right? Because society and the ecosystems around you shift value systems. They consumer tastes change what's valued changes. And then all of a sudden something that was just on the fringe is now the biggest thing ever. And the thing that was the biggest thing ever is completely forgotten. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it and let me try and make this analogy and I'm, I might be swinging here for the fence, but it's, it sounds like you have a really unique perspective to your art and what you do. And your art really isn't a representation of you as opposed to you are a representation of your art. Did that make any sense? Yeah. Or am I, no, no, that, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I think, I think there's both. I think there's definitely vodka in that water. And probably likely. Yeah. 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 Don't tell me, um, uh, a person. <laughs> mm, not, not. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Don't but, tell my sponsor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, yeah, a lot of people sure. we've had on the show that are from Hollywood or other artists and they come out and they, this is my art. This is me. And, and but it sounds like you have a, a really a different perspective. That's maybe a little more healthy because it, it, the artist is really centered on you and the work doesn't so much represent you as, as you represent the art. And I don't know, I think that's where I was trying to go with that. If it makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it does. It does. It does. Yeah. Look, I think all of this makes sense. That's the beauty of it, right? Cause you can yeah. deconstruct it and look at it in a multitude of ways. And I think the beauty ultimately comes down to the fact that there is no one perspective. If you could do any project, carte blanche, Netflix, Hollywood, whatever you wanted to do, what would be your like dream project? Do you have a dream project or is there a dude? I, and again, this is, I, I say this with, complete humility and gratitude and and everything of that ilk um i've already done my dream projects like multitude multiple times over and then there would be like another one and then you'd start that and do that and it's like i'm living my dream it's almost yeah. like uh if this is a, a giant virtual reality simulation that we're living in like i got the i got the the cartridge with the game genie in it so you know <laughs> pathway is just clear and you get the 
oh, wow, I get to interact with work with this person or work with that person. And for, for me, I've realized like my process, which is different than, you know, someone else's process, but for my process, the dream project isn't necessarily like a brand or a specific story, but it's having the creative latitude to execute it in a way that has my identity. Mm-hmm. Does that Let's make sense? To- so as an example, I don't know, like uh, I'm going to pick a random brand. I don't know, a uh, Catwoman, right? So tomorrow there someone will hey, make a Catwoman uh, movie. So there's like the corporate version of a Catwoman movie. And then there's the kind of more avant-garde version of a Catwoman movie. And there's like the version that one would make that only they could make. Mm-hmm. And that may be super mainstream and it may not be mainstream, but you don't know because it's like, I don't really work well in art by committee type situations. And I, I feel like most artists are that. So I don't think that's unique to me, but I've been fortunate but- enough to, to have creative partners and business partners who just are like, yeah, no, we like it. Keep doing it. Um, so it sounds like most of your projects are that way. And that's the way you like it to where you have that creative control and you can do it your way without going. And it had to be commercially earned. viable. And it, had, and it had to be earned. So that wasn't mm-hmm. like go back to 2011. And that was not the scenario whatsoever. Even like a couple years ago, that was not like the scenario immediately, but you earn it over time. Like you, you do things that are successful and you learn something from them. And really, you end up learning a lot more from the things that aren't successful, from the things that are misfires, the things that never got off the ground. And you get that hindsight of hey, why did it not work and what role did I play in it not working, assuming you're not doing the, the blame game and blaming everyone but yourself. And then I think slowly, it, as you amass more and more skill sets and you learn more crafts within the macro craft of filmmaking or animation, or whatever it is that you're doing, you get that latitude. Mm-hmm. You just get that latitude. And also, you have the vocabulary at that point, right? You have the vocabulary because you've they've had the experiences, and you can very specifically and precisely enunciate to your partners or the studio or the right holder what it is that you're trying to do. There you go. There you go. This has been pretty interesting. What, what haven't we touched on, Nadi, that uh, you want to either promote or that we should get the audience to know you better? I don't know. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've been posting a lot of selfies. I've been doing, yeah. I'm doing the whole selfie game. Yeah. yeah. I'm really digging the selfie games. I didn't think you I'd be the- a selfie person, but I, I come around. So it's at bootleg universe one one word bootleg universe on instagram follow me check out all my selfies there's there you go here's a lot it's like it goes like selfie news story about me selfie video talking about something selfie news story about me selfie you know not not egomaniacal at all. the one thing i noticed in looking at your instagram and other media was you, there's a lot of different genres that you encase like we talked about the kiss i think you had the star face that i saw from i think it was ace fraley's is it was Ace paul stanley that was the star face but there's a lot of different scenarios that you're set up in that are they're from different genres and where you're dressed up and there's some, I think there's some CGI or whatever you call it, Photoshopping done. What motivates you in, in that? What are you trying to represent? What are you trying to, what message are you trying to send to the world about you? 
I don't think I am trying to send a message in that regard. If this were the 90s or the early 2000s. The media was like hyper controlled, right? You, yeah, I feel like people gravitated, or at least from what I saw, people gravitated towards like, okay, this is my look. I'm always going to wear this one face paint and wear this one type of leather jacket. And everyone was trying to become like Michael Jackson, iconic for the thriller jacket and some glove or something. And man, it's, 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 to me, that's just exhausting. It's just, yeah. just exhausting. Like, I'm like, I like, I'm just trying to be myself, be authentic. Yeah. I, I actually have thought about it. I'm like, wow, I could literally just do an entire Instagram thing of me wearing what you call kiss, which I call ultimate warrior makeup. But yeah, you could just do a whole thing of me wearing kiss makeup and like walking out and just photo after photo of kiss makeup. Would that get boring? I don't know. I, I don't feel like I exist in that energy field every day. And, and yeah, it's bad branding in a way. It's bad branding because yeah. brands should be huh. focused. Brands should be focused. But I don't care. The guy, yeah. That's the other thing. I just don't care enough, you know? It's extraordinarily interesting to- too. It's not boring. Well, what aspect of it? It's interesting because it's different. It's not the same thing. Like you don't, you go, oh, this is completely different. Oh wow! And right. you examine it. Where if you just appear the same way every time, you're just like, well, it's just Batman again or whatever. Yeah. And as you look at the arc of our interview and conversation of you growing up and being subjected to so many different uh, cultures and and moving about and having that experience change, you can see that reflected in I th- I think in your art in in how yeah. you do it and deliver it and then of course we're doing the same thing on instagram with your looks and different variations you are yeah. being you yeah yeah and you're not yeah. letting people yeah, stick yeah, you yeah. in a box and you're not sticking yourself in a box yeah for sure so there you go there you go for sure. <laughs> that's awesome anything you want to touch on give us your dot coms as we go out i don't have any dot coms just the instagram just, just follow me on instagram there's a facebook that I use sometimes, yeah. yeah. but just go follow me on Instagram. Yeah. And check out all of your new projects. Of course, there's the cans Netflix project and I'll ask the PR agency what, what, what name we're naming it. No, no, no. We, we've already decided. It's no longer. We've decided. Is this, is Guardians this the of the universe. Okay. All right. Well, the Guardians, that's, uh, that's yeah. what we're going with. I think you're going to have to, you're the boss. Glory yeah, no. So it will, uh, I think the universe, I think, I don't think this is you. I think this is actually the universe deciding. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's probably some but, sort of sign. Uh, yeah, it's uh, some sort of cosmic entity that's bestowing us with, with ancient wisdom as to you. But uh, who knew that email typos could be that powerful? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Guardians of Justice, it plays, uh, it's going to play at Cannes next month, which I think we, we've already touched. And then it'll be out at go. Netflix at some point. There you uh, go. Which there I go. cannot say. Because, yeah, oh. and then I'm a work in progress, man. There you go. But keep it up. We'll be excited to see what comes out of you in the future. And uh, the great work has been there. And I love your perspective on everything. I think that's one of the most engaging things that people are going to get from this interview. They're going to go, wow, this is really cool. So uh, thank you very much for being on our show. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, Amanis, for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, Forchess Chris Foss. Hit that bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com, Forchess Chris Foss, and see us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and all those different places. Thanks for uh, everyone coming by, and we'll see you guys next time. 
So we're excited to announce my new book is coming out. It's called Beacons of Leadership, Inspiring Lessons of Success in Business and Innovation. It's going to be coming out October 5th, 2021. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to read this book. It's filled with a multitude of my insightful stories, lessons, my life, and experiences in leadership and character. I give you some of the secrets from my CEO Entrepreneurial Toolbox that I use to scale my business success, innovate, and build a multitude of companies. I've been a CEO for, uh, what is it, like uh, 33? 35 years now. We talk about leadership, the importance of leadership, how to become a great leader, and how anyone can become a great leader as well. So you can pre-order the book right now wherever fine books are sold, but the best thing to do on getting a pre-order deal is to go to beaconsofleadership.com. That's beaconsofleadership.com. On there, you can find several packages you can take advantage of in ordering the book. And for the same price of what you can get it from someplace else like Amazon, you can get all sorts of extra goodies that we've taken and given away. Uh, Different collectors, limited custom-made numbered book plates that are going to be autographed by me. There's all sorts of other goodies that you can get when you buy the book from beaconsofleadership.com. So be sure to go there, check it out, or order the book wherever fine books are sold.